0: I would say, give yourself some grace. The secret to my success and why I've continued to to move forward and not backslide over the last year is because even if I have a day where I slip up, I own it, you know, I talk about it. I can talk about it on my show. I give myself that forgiveness. I don't jump into that guilt and remorse anymore like I used to do and then make it snowball but I still do my habits. So I still wake up every morning and I'll work out. I do my meditation. I have my morning routine and I still log my food because it's something I've gotten so used to doing that it's like, it's okay if you mess up, log your food and move on. Right? So if like trade show season, you know, I had it all planned out and this is early on in my traveling experience, but you know, just having that mac and cheese with bacon. It was soon as I saw bacon, I have a real weakness for bacon. But that lured me in and I'm like, hey, you know what, I'm tired, why not? And instead of going, well screw it, you know, tomorrow morning I'm gonna have a big breakfast. Um, I didn't do that. I thought, okay, I need to do my intermittent fasting tomorrow. And it's okay what I do. So I've really learned to just accept what I do. It's not perfect and that's why I wanna be so vulnerable in my and transparent in my in my show. Because I think more people can actually relate to that. And it's just this, are you doing something every single day that makes you a little bit better or gets you closer to your goal? And that's what I really want
1: to teach people. That's Tamar Medford, and I'm Brian Falchuk. This is Do A Day. You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day-doers, welcome to season five of Do A Day. Starting a new season with someone who has a story that resonates with me, in my own journey with my struggles with weight loss and also bring something completely different to the picture. Several things completely different, but it's a it's a really inspiring story. And if you think that you're self-sabotaging and leading yourself to continue to live a way that you wish you weren't, uh, this, this is an episode you absolutely need to listen to. My guest is Tamar Medford. She's the host of the Road to Health podcast that if you guys follow that, I was one of the early guests on the show. And if you don't follow that, you should. And you'll find out that I was one of the early guests on the show. Um, she also has a full-time job in sales. But she started the show because she understands how difficult it can be to stay healthy and turn your life around. And that's like a you know nice-sounding phrase, and it's very true. But when you get into her backstory and you hear about the alcoholism... You hear about the struggles with weight. You hear about the highly destructive and manipulative behavior. Uh, You get what she means about how hard it was. And when I say manipulative, it's not that she was manipulating other people, although I'm sure there was that going on too. It's about how she manipulated her own life to keep reinforcing the behaviors and the patterns that were hurting her over and over and over again. And so she got sober in 2012 and lost 75 pounds, so a huge accomplishment. But like a lot of us who lose weight, it came back. And the reason is because of those same patterns that were behind the alcoholism and the weight gain in the first place. And it was about complacency leading to then manipulation. So we talked through all that. We talked through how she finally broke out of that pattern and the yo-yo dieting that ensued that I know so many of us have dealt with to actually make meaningful changes. And that's what then led to a different way that she lives today, a different marriage, but also the Road to Health podcast and the work that she's doing there to help people who are in this similar space that need help guiding them on that journey. Because it doesn't have to be the way that it was for Tamar, and she hopes that other people get to be saved by that. And she's gone as far as writing a book about her story which I'm so proud of her doing because her story is really powerful. It resonated with me. It hit me hard. And the way she opens up about it and the things she's done to change her situation will save lives, literally. So her book is coming out July 14th. Uh, It's called hope elevated. And of course, check the show notes because I'll be linking to it there. Let's jump into this episode so you can hear the story and some of the things that Tamar did. I mean, I'm still like, as I was editing this episode, still totally blown away. They're wild. But here we go with Tamar Medford. Tamar Medford, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Brian.
1: We have to give credit to Adam Shively because we wouldn't exist if not for him, or at least not together.
0: He's the center of everything.
1: He is. It's the Shibley effect. Um, I feel like if you put the effort into learning how to spell his last name, there should be some benefit from it. So getting connected to you and and, uh, lots of other people he's hooked me up with, and hopefully he's listening to that and laughing and not offended.
0: My spell check auto-corrects his last name now because I've typed it out so much. Oh,
1: that's good. Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty lucky that way. That definitely helps. Um, So, you know, I... I mentioned a bit about you in the intro um, and people can see your bio and all that in the show notes and, and all that good stuff, but there's nothing like hearing from people who they are and what they're about. So give us a little taste of the today and then we'll dig into that backstory.
0: So I am the host of the podcast, the road to health. And what inspired me to create that show was I have a real desire to help people. And by sharing my story and what I've been through, Helping other people define what their goals are, the why's behind wanting to achieve those goals, and really simplifying them. And I I started to get that inspiration from Adam actually, mm. um, where I would break things down because I was always I'm an all in kind of person. Yeah. If I put my mind to something, I want it. I want to do it now, and I want to do it all now. Sure. And so I've you know slowly started to build a life for myself where I took on one thing at a time, you know, kind of one day at a time and broke it down into smaller chunks. And I noticed that it has really developed into something big for me now where everything seems a lot more manageable. Mm. And so the show is really just to take people on my journey as I'm actually getting healthy because there was a big period of time after I changed my life, I became completely complacent. Mm. And, you know, the yo-yo dieting started and all that. You know, the struggles kind of came back and although I still had a great life, I wasn't really all that healthy. You yeah. know, my behavior started to come back. And so just being real with my audience and taking them through what I'm actually going through. So yeah. it's because I think a lot more people can relate to that kind totally. of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I gotta, I gotta press into a couple of things you said. So the, the, where I thought you were going to go with the style before where it's like all or nothing, take something on and and crush it. Um, you went to how you break it down and it's manageable and you achieve it. And I'm totally with you on that. But I was thinking you are going to say, and I was burning out and it was taking me to like, did you experience that? Because having that drive is amazing and we can tend to overdo it and push ourselves to the brink until we crash.
0: Absolutely. I have burnt out so many times. I've done it by taking on two jobs and thinking, you know what, I only need the five hours of sleep, I can do this, I have gone all in on my exercise programs and my dieting. And every single time in the past, it led to, okay, well, you know what, I deserve a day off, I deserve a break, but that just didn't end up for one day, it would extend a week or a month or a year even sometimes. So I'm very mindful of that burnout now.
1: Yeah, a break is really an end, multiple Mm -hmm. ends. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, and, look, on average, if you average out the brakes and these, like, super aggressive peaks, looks fine. But that's irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. like, we, we don't – I always say, like, people who drive a boat, it's, like, straight as the average of just moving the wheel back and forth, left and right, or maybe a really old car. But that's not mm-hmm. actually what a no. good life looks like.
0: If you're <laughs> no. crashing
1: into the bumpers on both sides of the road, that doesn't mean you're going straight on average. But your car's still banged up. Yeah. Um. So – Lots of crashes, lots of burnout. And then was this pre complacency? Like were you how did, how did the complacency develop?
0: Um, after I hit my goal, and this is a big aha moment for me, I was like, Okay, I'm good. You know, what, and what kind of
1: goal are we talking about?
0: Um, So I got sober in 2012 and I decided that I was going to lose some weight because I was over 200 pounds and I lost 75 pounds within a year. But of course that was going to the gym six to seven days a week. It was eating broccoli, rice and chicken every single day. And I was so obsessed with it that when I hit my goal, I felt amazing. You know, I I was getting the compliments. It was almost building my ego up and lowering my self-esteem, but you know, it, it was like, okay, now I can take a break. I'm Mm. okay. I'm going to stay at this weight. And so I just didn't think I needed to continue with that lifestyle,
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) you know, um, developing my routine into a lifestyle, something that was manageable.
1: Yeah. So the complacency, it's not that you just sat on the couch and ate Doritos going forward. It's just like, okay, I'm done. I, I hit it. Now I'm good. Yeah. Um, And you you didn't have the fire. Now, of course, the fire was dangerous, right? You were getting burned pretty like that is not a sustainable life. Everyone I know who does the like chicken and broccoli, they wouldn't eat the rice. That was like, (laughs) but the people I know who do that, you know, they do the meal prep and it's like the same meal three times a day all week. And then on the weekends, they're like a 19 year old in college, you know, just like the amount of breaking free they do. And then the week is just penance. Um, which is, and if you don't do and the, and they'll defend it as like, oh, I need to do that just to stay normal. You know, like I got to have my breaks. It's like, well, maybe the way you're living the other five days is not Like you shouldn't need to have these breaks to undo or to rebel against. You got to find balance. Like you said, it's going to be manageable. Right? Exactly. Maintain.
0: Yeah, and it's it was just that obsession of going to the gym six seven days a week, and I didn't want to do it anymore. I thought, well, I can do this with three days a week, but yeah. then it ended up two, and then none. So,
1: can I can I ask you a question that comes up a lot in um, in recovery stories? a I'm curious about the drinking and how long that went on for and how much that had taken over your life, but then the point that comes up and I just heard a really um interesting debate about this on the rich roll podcast and if you've if you've not heard it or I know my listeners hear me talk about them too much but rich is uh is an ultra endurance athlete um who was an an alcoholic, and so the idea of trading one um one addiction for another you know you, there's a lot of um recovered drug or alcohol addicts who are ultra runners for example and so people like oh you just traded one addiction for the other and and rich and his guests is another recovered addict that got really passionate about not really buying that and why they don't agree with that um i'm just curious like talk to me a little bit more if you don't mind about the use of alcohol and whether you saw it a trick because y- you went really extreme on the non-alcohol kind of health lifestyle where someone from the outside might say like, Oh yeah, she went from being addicted to one thing to addicted to the other and use that to control things just like the alcohol was.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think for myself, it is a real fine line because you know, when I did, um, I, I did it in steps phases. I had such good support, um, you know, going into all this, but you know, I would focus on the working out first and then I would implement the diet part of it. But it, It almost, as I got into it and I started seeing those results, almost like when, you know, I first took a drink, just that Mm -hmm. feeling it gave me because I never felt like I fit in. And the first drink was like that, wow. And I'd heard it once said, and this resonates with me, that my life went from black and white to technicolor. Yeah, You know, it was like everything became brighter, everything got better. And so I would chase that feeling. Well, the same thing happened when I got sober Mm -hmm. is I started to lose weight. People started to recognize and I would chase that feeling because I wasn't, I was working on things inside of myself and, you know, my mental state, but, um, I wasn't really a hundred percent focused on mindset at that point. And so I was just going with this feeling and it's like, okay, well, I'm getting what I need from these other people. Yeah, I'm going to run with this and this feels really good. And when I look in the mirror, I see a different person, but I still wasn't a hundred percent focused on what was me on the inside. Mm.
1: Yeah, I I think that's really hitting on something. It's maybe if you stay surface level in your addiction, your recovery, and then finding the next thing to go so hard on. Yeah, maybe it is trading because the underlying reason why you were doing one thing or the other is still there Mm -hmm. Um, and it's going to project out in our lives one way or the other. Right. Um, Okay. so post-drinking, post-recovery, going super hard kind of breaking yourself but you lose all this weight people are complimenting you not knowing the lifestyle and how difficult it is and then you hit your goal a lot of people in this story right we hit that goal and then it's like okay i'm good and and i can coast but of course the only reason why you were there is because of this unsustainable approach because there's all these other things that aren't right so what what does that picture look like in this uh complacent kind of world
0: so I remember after I had hit my goal, I went out, first thing I did was was go out with one of the ladies that I worked out with and we went for this amazing cheat meal and I love food. Yeah. Um, At least I tell myself I do. I think I'm more addicted to the sugar part of food. And we just had this you know, amazing meal, then we went out for dessert and of course the next day I felt the effects of that so we did it again. And I thought, ah, you know what, I'm going to wait a couple of weeks to go to the gym. I deserve a break because I don't want to get up early anymore or or do any of this stuff. And it just, as it went on, I was so happy with my life and how it was going and, you know, compliments I was getting and just my, my job was going a lot better that I took my foot off the gas a little bit and I wasn't focused on creating, okay, what can I do now? to maintain this without being all in because I still didn't see that all in mindset at the time. I was yeah. just like, okay, I did what I needed to do and I'm done now. It was like a course, yeah. you know, the one-on-one on how to lose weight and how to get sober. And I really thought that after that was done, I could just kind of stop. And, um, you know, the first year I didn't gain too much weight back, but after the second year, Uh, I did and I think I gained about maybe 40 pounds and it was at that point that I started looking for the quick fixes. So Mm. I knew I had resources and I could go back to someone and go, hey, okay, I'm struggling again. But instead it became that, okay, what could fix this right now? Mm. And so I really started yo-yo dieting then, you know, it was kind of, okay, what am I going to do first? So name like any sort of nutrition style or diet style. I've tried it. Yeah. You know, I remember once I signed up for Weight Watchers and I lost 30 pounds um, and this was actually in my addiction. I would have, I figured out how to manipulate because I was very good at manipulating the system and I would have, at first I did it right and it was working for me, but then I got to the point where I'd have one um, microwavable popcorn bag for breakfast. I'd have that for lunch. That was two points, right? I had 37 points, I think, at the time. I would go for an hour walk after work, which would build up some points. I think I got 10 extra points and I would have a veggie patty, seven oven baked French fries, and then... Seven, I french seven
1: french just fries seven french like everyone think about that have you ever been aware of the number of french fries you have other than like oh can i have one of your fries how do you, i don't even know how you make seven french fries all right go sorry you just
0: count them you put them on yeah. a little sheet and you're like wow. hey that is three points right yeah. because i was very ocd about that stuff yeah. and then i would have anywhere from 8 to 12 beers and I would go light beer. Are you beer. serious? Yes, I would go light beer because that was only two points, not three points. So for weight someone, watchers like...
1: <laughs> for alcoholism, that's um, I haven't. I get it. I get the points and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't. I've never heard anyone who's who's used it to calculate how they can keep up an alcohol addiction.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was my manipulation, right? Wow. I had been. I'm so good at manipulating things in my life, yeah. and. That's how it became. And I lost 35 pounds doing that at one point. Sure. So in my sobriety, same thing kind of happened, you, right?
1: You probably <laughs> lost a ridiculous amount of wellness though, because the nutritional value of what you just described, like <laughs> if, if not for the veggie patties, <laughs> yeah. like there's literally there, everything is, is white or yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no color in that. It's all starch, very yeah. little vitamins or minerals, uh, your body has none of the building blocks to make proteins, let alone you're not really taking any in. Yeah, Um, You're like pure carb, diet, sugar, and yeast. Like you must have had candida growing inside of you. And wow, okay. It was terrible.
0: And I took stuff like ephedrine and diet pills at the same time and I would drink loads of Diet Coke. So it Uh, was just wreaking havoc on me.
1: um, This may sound extreme to to people, but it it actually is a wonder that you survived that. Yeah. How long were you doing that?
0: I think I did that for about eight months. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And I'd say the first month I followed it right because I was really excited. When I join something or sign up for something, I get really excited and I'm a hundred percent in. But yeah. then that, you know, manipulative side of me kicks in and goes, How can I man- manipulate this to fit my lifestyle?
1: Yeah. Do you have to tell them what you're eating? Or you just report the points? No,
0: you don't. You just report the points. So yeah. when I went to the meetings I would be like, yeah, I did great. I was even short some points this week. And it's like, yay, look at the scale moving. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh wow. So that's what like the oversimplification of nutrition into points or calories or whatever. It's 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 an oversimplification. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, you can get there, but you can't stay there. Cause right. either you're gonna break and go off it as you you know, you had that period where you, you came out of your heavy exercise and everything. Um, or it takes your life. Yeah. Either way, you're gonna stop.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Keep going. Sorry, I'm I'm just, I'm reacting in real time. <laughs> At least I've moved past the seven fries piece.
0: Yeah, I remember that story. Anytime I talk to people about experience, it's Weight Watchers. How can you manipulate that? That maybe that's not for you, but it, that <laughs> that that became my pattern. Right? It was yeah. that. What can I do to make myself feel better right now? And so I would do soup diets. And I mean, gosh, there's so many different types of diets I would do. I tried keto the first time and I went extreme, not realizing that, okay, I got to find something that's good for my body. And before I knew it, I was back up to, I had gone from 215 pounds to 145, which was my high school weight. I've never been a thin, thin person. And I went back up to almost 190 pounds in five to six years. So, oh.
1: yeah. If you're American, I'd say you just look like everybody else. But you're Canadian, <laughs> so you would stand out then because Canadians are generally healthier and better people than us down south.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. A- I think it's pretty comparable <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> um, wow. But and and of course, like going back to it, what's inside of you? Forget the weight for a second because we do obsess about weight. Um, totally, totally unhealthy inside. And, you know, I'm thinking like, what's going on with your organs? What's going on with your bones? Um, yeah. So, I mean, not to plug your show again, but, but to bring up the name road to health, it's not road to optimal weight or road to, uh, being fit. You know, it's, it's health. That's a very broad term, but you can't leave anything out or the whole ship will sink.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. used to drink two Red Bulls a day because I just was craving that energy not The focusing Diet on Red Bull? Sleep. Oh yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say if it was regular Red Bull, that's all wrong. But Diet Red Bull. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Two of
0: them a day and you yeah, know. Yeah, you have it. to just to keep
1: going. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. So now I actually don't drink any Red Bull. So Good. But yeah, it was always that what can I get for energy? How can I feel good without yeah. going, Maybe I should sleep for eight hours?
1: Yeah. Little things like that—that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um So, so how does? I mean, it, so it's it's 2012 when you got sober. Yes. You had a relationship story in there as well. What what's the timing that? Because this is something that um, some people think this is callous of me, but people are like, oh, what if you know, what if folks come to you for coaching on? And when I'm like, you know, I I sort of don't care, which is not actually how I mean it, but it it sounds wrong. Um, it's provocative. That's why I say it that way. <laughs> but the reality is, if you come to me for weight loss or for your career or for your whatever, it it doesn't work that way. We can't actually just cordon off one issue in your life. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to be healthy if you're also in the wrong relationship that is just as unhealthy for you as the food you're eating or not eating. Yeah, You can't have success in your job if you're miserable at home or vice versa. These mm-hmm. things all spill together. So it's not that I don't actually care. It's that we can't, we don't operate in multiple vacuums, no matter how type A we are, how driven we are in any part of our life, everything does spill over. And so I wasn't surprised in hearing your story when it was like, you know, and then this is what's going on in my personal life. So talk to us a bit about that and where does it layer into what's going on, um, on the dieting and manipulation and unhealthy side of things?
0: Well, I think for myself, I've always had very volatile relationships because, I would, you know, I had a few good ones after high school, but after that, I started seeking out people who would allow me or co sign my behaviors. So I was, you know, in a very abusive relationship. And then I got out of that and I met my ex husband, and he was a great guy, but he was also an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so, You know, I had also been using other substances at that point, and he had actually um, battled with addiction as well. And he had told me, you know, if uh, you don't quit doing all this other stuff other than drinking, because he was an alcoholic, then we're not going to be together. And so we actually moved. Uh, We decided to move out of town. (coughs) Sorry. And uh, we just to get away from people that I knew where I could be using those other substances Mm -hmm. because it was anything that was mind altering for me, whether it was pills, whether it was, you know, drugs, anything. And so we started living our life together. And, but I I found that we couldn't actually have fun unless we were drinking, you know? And for the first little while I thought he was amazing and wonderful, but along with um, addiction or alcoholism comes a lot of other addictions and i started to you know find out that he was addicted to so many other things that really started to hurt me yeah and it brought my my self-esteem to an all-time low and mm. so of course to make up for that we would just drink together and you know we went to the movies we'd have to bring a mickey i don't know what you guys call it here we yeah. call it a Mickey same thing
1: yeah.
0: and we would bring that into the movie well, theater people with us. who
1: know about these things would could call
0: it that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, a smaller bottle of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we would bring that into the movie theater, right? Everything that we did, or anything he wanted to do with me, always had to involve some form of drinking, and yeah. so we it's started sign to... of
1: alcoholism. It, exactly,
0: yeah. and um, you know, it it just got to the point where if during the day we also worked together, which was uh, okay. But if he was having a bad morning and he was extremely hungover, me leaving a fork or knife in the sink would just set him off and just road rage all the way to work. And towards the end of that, I really started to see that, okay, I need to get some help. Um, you know, I also started flirting and stuff, which was, I felt incredibly guilty for at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, being with someone that you can't really talk to anymore or that doesn't support you. And I always wanted more. I didn't want to stay in this life. Uh And so I remember sitting on the bathroom floor once and I had a bottle of pills, um, because I just had a knee surgery and I'd been given this big, big bottle of T threes and I sat there and actually had a pug at the time and he was absolutely adorable. And I was just crying and I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore because I'm in such an unhappy marriage I'm not doing anything to change it. He's not helping, um, and I just I I wanted to die. Right? I I can't remember how many times, but it was so many times that I just thought, okay, you know what? It would just be better for both of us. And we were about seventy five thousand dollars in debt at the time. Mm. And I remember actually being at work because he would never work overtime, and I took him outside. And I said, you know what, if you don't want to change and you don't want to help us out here and work extra overtime, I might as well kill myself because then you get our life insurance policy and you can move on. And that really shocked him, (laughs) you know, but I mean, we'd come home and um, I was I would be just blackout drunk and he left me in the bathtub overnight, you know, and I'd wake up with. Uh, starting to swallow water and waking up in shock. Um,
1: in a filled bathtub?
0: In a filled bathtub. I'm thinking
1: you just kind of passed out asleep in the tub. No, a filled bathtub.
0: <laughs> a filled bathtub. Wow. Fully yeah, he dressed. He
1: was shocked when you talked about killing yourself, yet he's yes. sort of like totally complacent in that happening accidentally.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, I know I'm all over the place with it, but so many memories come back when I talk about this. Because a lot of it had to do with the things I was doing and the behaviors that I was doing. Most all of it had to actually, Um, because we would go to parties and I would give lap dances and not even remember doing that. And just I was I wanted to be the life of the party. And, you know, he got he just saw red when we came home that he almost just shut it off like I wasn't there and he didn't care what I did. So. Yeah.
1: Um, when, when timeline wise, so this is pre 2012 then, yeah, because you Mm -hmm. were still drinking, um, when and how did things end?
0: So early 2012, I decided that I I just had, I hit my bottom, right. And a lot of people talk about bottoms. Mine was not to the extent of being homeless or anything like that. Although in the past I had ended up in some places that I never imagined I would end up, but I, you know, was told your bottoms when you start stop digging. And I had just I was 215 pounds, I was didn't feel like I had a loving marriage anymore. And I knew that it was time to change. And I actually used that to fuel my inspiration to make those changes. And so I decided to do what everybody else does at the beginning of the year. And I made my uh, New Year's resolution and signed up for that gym membership. And I started going for the first month. And I was really determined to do something, but I really wasn't getting anywhere. Mm. And so I had walked out one day, saw the name of a personal trainer, and I decided, okay, you know what? I need some help. I can't do this alone anymore because I've tried that. Mm. And so I called her up. Um, Turns out we actually went to high school together for a year. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of nice. I was able to build a good uh, friendship and relationship out of that. But I finally decided, okay, you know what? I got to do something about this. And that decision actually led me to meeting the right people that would help get me sober. You know, it helped me to see, okay, you know what, you do actually have a problem. Because after I I started doing this, you know, uh, working with this trainer, and I started eating the broccoli, rice and chicken, I was doing really well, but I was still drinking at that point. And I thought, well, I can almost like Weight Watchers. I can manipulate this, yeah. so I'm only going to have three beer, right? I'm going to have three beer in my fridge, and then I would actually drink half a bottle of NyQuil so that I would pass out and not drink any more.
1: <laughs> you're sort of, I mean, I'm not okay with it, but... <laughs> I wasn't <you're>, okay. <laughs> No, but, but you're using your manipulative tendencies to actually manipulate yourself mm-hmm. so that you don't manipulate the system even further. That's like I said, I'm not okay with it, but that's really clever in a lot of ways. Um, and then I always say like, what if you could take that kind of brilliance and put it towards all good? Then it's like, you know, the world's your oyster, but wow, you're, you're blowing me away with some of the things that you're like, (laughs) and I know I got hung up on the seven French fries without even knowing what was to come, but, um, sorry. All right. So, so NyQuil and beer. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yeah. NyQuil and beer. And, um, you know, at a certain point I was hanging out with a friend and, and she said, you know, I, I I talk about going to these meetings and I'm like, no, 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 I don't, you know, I don't need that. I hardly yeah. drink anymore. Like I don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, you know, anybody who really understands alcoholism knows that it's not the qua it's not the quantity that you have, it's how that substance makes you feel.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um and, well, and the so, way you're
1: structuring your life around having the substance.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's
1: why the NyQuil thing is concerning. It's like, oh, but if I do this, then I can keep it in check. So you're mm-hmm. like, you're strategizing around ways to keep drinking.
0: Yeah. And I was real good at that. Um, sounds like so, it. <laughs> so I'd had one more really awful weekend with my husband and I going away for the weekend for the first time since I started this transformation. And I thought, okay, I'm going to bring one bottle of wine with me. I'm going to stick to it because, of course, I was a rock star now, right? Yeah. I was doing really well. And I had this under control. I did not bring NyQuil with me. So I didn't have that option, right? Gave it up.
1: No training wheels.
0: But the first night we got there, I had that bottle of wine. Then we went out and bought a case of beer. And then we had a $200 bar tab. And that whole weekend just took off like it always does. And that was actually um, June 17th, 2012. Was, you know, the 16th was the last day I had a drink. And I just decided enough's enough. I need to. I need to deal with this part of my life. And so I got sober.
1: Wow. Wow. That's, um, that is quite a buildup to that moment. Did you end up going to AA or, or some form of, okay.
0: Yeah, I did. I I knew that I couldn't do this by myself and I'd always had that mentality that, well, I'm adult, you know, if I want to lose weight, I should be grown up enough to do it. And You know, just like today, I have so many different support networks that, you know, it's just that has helped me because I can talk to other people and relate. You know, they share their stories and they're like, Yeah, yeah, I've been through that too.
1: Yeah. I love that I'm adult, so I don't need how many children do you see in, you know, um I forget the Overeaters Anonymous or NA or AA or like it's not kids. But everyone's an adult. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with your maturity, your access to things, anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And support is unbelievable. Just like you need the support to keep behaving the way that you wish you weren't. Like mm-hmm. you, you need those other bad influences around you who are going to, like you said, all those relationships where you let, I, I love the phrase you use that you found people who would co-sign your behavior. Yeah. Um, you need people to co-sign your behavior in the other direction. And there's yes. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, wow. So it's been eight years, roughly?
0: Yeah, this June will be eight years.
1: That's incredible. Good for you. Thank you. Um, yeah, wow. So on the back of that, you get out of your marriage. What is, what is the path from there to recognizing there's lots of other people who need this help and, and that there's a bigger picture of health? Beyond just being thin, or going to the gym, or only eating broccoli, uh, or broccoli and beer and Nyquil, I wasn't expecting that <laughs> combo. Um, how how does that transition come together, and and what is the the thing that that you're leaving people with now from what is a, a very rich experience with the opposite?
0: Hmm. Um. I would say in 2019, actually, I. I was still not feeling motivated again. And so I reached out to, you know, one of my friends. We've been best friends since high school. And I just told her, I said, I need some motivation. I need something in my life to spark me and inspire me to make some changes. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing good. I'm happy, but I'm not happy with the weight. And she actually introduced me to podcasts. Yeah. And so that was early 2019. And so I started listening to them.
1: And you said, you didn't even know what podcasts were before that. Is that right?
0: No, no. Awesome. I'd be like, oh, what are these podcasts? Oh, so I'm not going to listen to people who say that.
1: it's too late, like, oh, there's podcasts, <laughs> like there's still people who have not been introduced to it yet. So I yeah. just want to remind people of that.
0: I'm only a year and three months into podcasting and yeah. I now have my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started listening to podcasting and I started to really surround myself with people who were into developing better mindsets and who are into getting healthy and through doing the research, because, you know, of course, and, you know, I don't know if you find this, but I'll be listening to somebody's show and they interview somebody that also has a podcast. And then I write that one down and I start listening to theirs. And so it's almost like you start to break out into this community of, you know, podcasters you want to listen to and that are giving you such good information. That is actually how I found Adam Shibley. And so I started listening to the Million Pound Mission because I could relate a lot to the clients that he talked to because they were like me. And I remember that when I first got sober, that was the one thing that really struck me was, okay, this person gets why I'm acting crazy or why I'm feeling these feelings or why I want to treat this person that way. They get it because they're there. And so I had that same feeling listening to shows that I could really relate to and that were real because, you know, if I, if I listen to somebody and this is no offense to anybody who has a great life and who is healthy from the start and develops this amazing, incredible life and takes education, but I'm more likely to take advice from someone who's been in my shoes than yeah. someone who has just learned about what my shoes feel like to walk in.
1: Yeah. I like where you're, you're preaching in the choir and that's, that's the idea behind this show. Um, and, and I mean, why I had to do it in the first place is when I put out my book and told my story, it resonated with lots of people, but it's not going to resonate with everyone Mm
0: -hmm. because I've
1: only experienced what I've experienced. And unless that happens to overlap either with what you've experienced or where your mindset is, and you make those connections, you may enjoy it, but it, it's not going to stand the same chance of changing your life in the way that finding that person who's literally been in your shoes because you immediately lower your guard about they don't get me, they don't Mm -hmm. understand, or you know what, that's great for them, but I can't do that because I'm facing this thing over here. Yeah. And whether it's human nature, whether everyone falls into the same sort of mental barrier to accepting, you know, what could be a really helpful bit of advice or inspiration, I don't know. I don't really care. I just know for a lot of us, hearing someone who doesn't just intelligently understand, or or claim to understand, and you know have empathy and compassion and all those great things, there's something about someone who's actually lived it for us to just be like, how can I keep making excuses? Look what they did. Mm -hmm. And that person may have gone through their own thing. It's not to diminish, like you're saying. It's not that like everything's been. No one has it perfect. Right. Everything's been perfect and they just, you know, brilliant. So they thought of this thing anyway. We all live through stuff. Grass ain't green anywhere. It's up to you to do the work to make it that way. So I'm totally on board with you. And Adam's awesome. But that's a different different problem.
0: He has a great voice too, so.
1: Yeah, he does. And everybody knows it. And that's why his voice is the start of a lot of podcasts, rightfully so. <laughs> so if you yeah. if you listen to Million Pound Mission, you'd be like, I swear I know this guy. It's like, because you, you probably heard him before without even realizing it. He does a lot he's of everywhere. voiceovers. Yeah, he's great.
0: Yeah. So after that, I actually joined his reboot group, which is what it was called at the time. And I thought, okay, you know, this community worked for me uh, yeah. when I got sober and just being with like-minded people. I'm hanging out with people who are working out and focusing on their health and not only focusing on their health, but being Mm open-minded about their journey and not being stuck to one thing. And I think that is probably the biggest thing that I've learned from Adam is to, you know, we need to focus more on getting people to figure out what works for them and not what others think works for them, you know, or everybody else for that matter. And so I decided to go to one of his events. Um, I actually, one of the women, Uh, who has become an extremely close friend of mine now, we had never met, Mm -hmm. but we had messaged and said, hey, why don't we meet down there and let's stay together? And so we did that. And she's very uplifting and very positive. And I just felt like I had made this new great friend who was really going to help bring me to the next level, not by necessarily her knowledge, but her enthusiasm and so we went to that weekend and we met Allison Melody, we met Rob Dion, we met JJ Flazanes and Chris McPeak, like so many different people. Yeah. And, you know, we had the privilege of going out for dinner after the event with them oh. and just sitting there. And I remember Allison was actually, she gets very fired up. And when she goes on one of her rants, yeah. <laughs> we love her rants. And, you know, she was asking me my story and, do I have a podcast? And I said, no, actually I don't. And she goes, why not? You know, you're not drinking here. You're not having any drinks at the table. What's your story? And so I told her and she's like, you have a voice, you have something to say, you need to share it. And a podcast is the right way to do that. And I just went back to the hotel that night and we just started talking about ideas for names for the podcast and how this would work. And I still had that fear of Okay, well no one's going to take me seriously because I haven't been to school. You know, no one's going to I'm not credible enough to do this kind of thing, but that was my own limiting beliefs. Totally. Yeah. And it was that weekend though that really kind of started the fire. You know, yeah. it's like, no, wait a minute. You know what? I do have a story to tell and I've been just building on that since I think October.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um it's it's kind of funny like We go through the credibility dance in our head, go, I'm not good enough, or no one would listen because I don't have. At the same time, going back to the conversation we just had about like, you have to have lived in the same shoes for some people to be able to connect with what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the pursuit of that credibility takes away from the connection they might see Mm because it's like they have that excuse like, oh, but they, you know, she did all these things that I can't do, and that's why she was able to pull through. It's like- Oh, wait, no, we're the same. Like, yeah, I don't have a PhD either. Adam is a PhD, but he doesn't have a PhD. Right. And he's a previously heavy dude, but he's not <laughs> like, but that doesn't mean he can't, you know? Yeah. Um, But we totally go through that mentality. Um. It's yeah, really interesting. So you launch the podcast and it's more than just a podcast. Like you're, you're not just putting out these episodes and hoping someone hears them. So tell me about this. I mean, it's movement. Maybe that's a, a, too strong of a word. Maybe it isn't. I keep. I just talked to Justin, um, Justin Shank yesterday with the <laughs> growth now movement. So you know, it's movements on my mind. But um, yeah. what is it? What is it like holistically that you're doing across the podcast and everything?
0: So when I started, I I took a job actually shortly before I started the podcast in outside sales. And I had, I've been in customer service and sales management and and done all this stuff previous, but outside sales I knew would be a bit of a slippery slope because- Can
1: you just define when people say outside versus inside sales or someone who's not in the sales world wouldn't know that there is outside and inside? What does outside sales mean?
0: Right. So um, inside sales is when you're actually sitting at a desk, you're communicating with people, you're essentially customer service, right? And outside sales is I'm customer facing. So I'm going to client to client and I'm building a relationship so that they will, you know, start buying from us and then go move on to our inside sales team.
1: Yeah. So inside, outside is, it's literal. Yes. Yeah. It's whether you're staying in the building or you're out there on the road, road warrior kind of lifestyle.
0: Exactly. And So that almost brought a little bit of fear into me because anytime I go on vacation or I've traveled for business in the past, I love to try local cuisine and, you know, I went to New Orleans once and, you know, the food there can be very heavy if you allow it to be. And it was like beignets and fried chicken and like I was all in and Mm -hmm. I was really fearful of that because I thought, okay, this is going to take some real planning on my part Yeah, and, that is what inspired me to start this journey, because I thought, hey, you know what, if I create um, a platform where I can talk about what I'm going through, and also attract people in the business that can, you know, say, hey, this is what I tried, try this. And I think at that point, I had enough coaches in my life. And, you know, just people in this industry that could help me along the way. So I, would, I thought, okay, I'm going to develop the show and I'm going to be as real as humanly possible. If I screw up, I'm going to talk about it. Um, and so I started to develop all these routines one by one. Mm. And, you know, like it's gotten to the point now where I pre-plan what restaurants I'm going to. I pre-plan what grocery stores I'm going to. I pre-plan how much sleep I'm going to get based on when I have to wake up. So, yeah. And I've started to make it fun. And so I thought if I can do that and, you know, my first taste of really starting to travel was trade show season, Yeah, which is oh, not the,
1: easy because it's the worst.
0: Oh, I know. And it's people think it's super fun no. and it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's exhausting and it's hyper unhealthy. Yeah, I, I get I, I want to let you go ahead with the story, but we do have to get back to it at some point, like you're talking about all these pre-plannings and you're like, and I made it fun and I'm sure nobody listening is like, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> or they are saying that but it's sarcastic. So you're going to have to tell me how it's fun, but keep going with trade show season.
0: And so I failed I'm not going to say fail, sorry, because it was a learning experience, but I learned
1: I learned fantastically. I <laughs> learned sort of failed fantastically,
0: miserably. drastically, yeah. that I wasn't very good at trade show season, you know. I as much as the the planning that I did ahead of time, there are so many variables and the fact that you're standing most of the day and your back is killing you yeah. and you don't want to go and walk on the treadmill or do anything like that after. And if everybody's going for drinks, well, I'm going to have a smoothie or I'm going to have some, you know, pasta. And I, that really messed up my sleep, which then also messed up my routine somewhat, but I did have tools that kept me maintained. So I didn't come back weighing 10 pounds more. I just came back the same. So I did learn a lot out of that, but that has kind of going through those experiences has now really taught me how to kind of, um, fine tune my behaviors and my actions and my habits.
1: Hmm. All right. Tell me how the heck you make all of that planning fun. And you you hit (laughs) on a lot of the things that uh, I I wrote an article on like how to stay fit, even when you're on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is a lot of the same things and I don't, I don't mind it, but don't mind it's different than fun. So tell me how you make it fun. (laughs)
0: So I've really been focused on mindset um nice. especially over the last I'd say 6 months. And so what I would do is on the weekends I I would almost make a game of it. I'm like okay out of all these tools I have in my toolbox now this next week or next 2 weeks what am I going to do? What am I going to bust out of my toolbox? Nice. And so I would make a decision on the nutrition style I was going to follow, whether or not I was going to, you know, add intermittent fasting. I had so many things to choose from. If I knew that I had, you know, a dinner or something like that, I could, you know, bring in all these, you know, calorie cycling, carb cycling. And so I would kind of pick and choose, okay, what is my game plan for this? And then I would actually go, and because I love looking at food. <laughs> And, you know, pictures and all that. So I would go on to something like Uber Eats and I would type in my hotel and then I would act as if I'm going to order. And I'm like, hey, you know, day one, I think I have a night at the hotel. I'm going to type in chicken. And I would scroll through all these restaurants and I would actually make an effort to find something that looked really great that got good reviews. And so I would note that on my list. And so I just had this kind of blanket idea of where I was going to order from, Mm -hmm. what it was going to be like. And I actually looked at that as enjoyable, right? Because I think so many people spend time wondering after, and you know, I I know we do it here at home, but my spouse and I will go, well, what do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. What do you want to eat? Right. And I would look forward to getting back because I also had part of my planning was planning. What am I going to do for my show in the Mm -hmm. evening? What am I going to do for my journey? And just looking forward to coming back from my day and doing something that I'm passionate about. Yeah, And almost like someone here could say, okay, they have a hobby, right? They're going to yeah. come home and they're going to paint for an hour. Doing that while eating a great meal, that excited me. Uh. And so I had to turn it into something that how do I incorporate what I love to do, how I'm eating and how I'm my habits.
1: Yeah, oh, that's great. Do you, did you scout out hotels to stay at?
0: I did. Um, based we, on what? We like to stay usually at a holiday and just because it's really, um, it's it's great for the company. It's not too expensive and they always have a hotel gym. So, yeah. you know, in most cases, unless they open at seven, I could go down and use the treadmill after a day of traveling, which yeah. I like to do. I do like to work out in the morning, but it's all based around who has that gym.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's what I was wondering is like every. I mean except for you know like some boutique places or something pretty much every hotel most have a gym but every hotel that has one has some picture on there mm-hmm. and I always scrutinize like how much how many of whatever equipment I want to use do they have is it 24/7 or not cuz I'm an early riser and I'll take advantage of that but if they open at 6 that gym's going to be jam packed and if there's like yeah. two treadmills and you want to run or there's one elliptical and that's what you use or you know whatever it is um you might be stuck. Mm-hmm. And then I'll also look, you know, is like, is there running in that area? So if the gym's full or it's a nice day, maybe I'll get outside. Right. Um, but I do like there are too many tools online to not have a look first and think like if it's between these two hotels that are the same price and they're both within my company's policy and they're equidistant to where I'm going, which one are you going to pick and why? Exactly. Um, it's it's really not hard to do. And your point about not just googling, but using Uber Eats and looking at different ways to do that research is brilliant. And when you do that research when you're not really hungry or put on the spot, it's much safer. Yes. Than when you are. So even having a sense like, oh, here's a couple things that I would pick from, because scouring that menu when you're hungry and everyone around you is like, oh yeah, I'll have an appetizer because it's business meals, right? And so uh-huh. they're going to put everything on the corporate card. Um. It's that's a much safer time to make your decisions and take yeah. that choice out of it because it's dangerous to exercise that in yeah. the moment. Exactly. Really tangible stuff Um, and also really easy to break from. How have you, is it just in your personality to stay true to each of those decisions or are there things you've done either for yourself or you've recommended for others to stay on that course? That, like, you know what? You said you're going to have that chicken vegetable whatever um even though everyone else just ordered, you know, the steak and potatoes and and all this other stuff, how do you stay the course when you've got temptation around you?
0: I would say give yourself some grace. I and I actually had a very interesting conversation with my spouse the other night about this is my the secret to my success and why I've continued to to move forward and not backslide over the last year is because even if I have a day where I slip up, I own it.
1: You mm-hmm. know, I
0: talk about it. I can talk about it on my show. Um, I give myself that forgiveness. I don't jump into that guilt and remorse anymore like I used to do yeah. and then make it snowball. Yeah. And But I still do my habits. So I still wake up every morning and I'll work out. I do my meditation. I have my morning routine. And I still log my food because it's something I've gotten so used to doing yeah. that it's like, it's okay if you mess up log yeah. your food and move on, yeah. right? So if like trade show season, you know, I had it all planned out and this is early on in my traveling experience, but, you know, just having that mac and cheese with bacon, it was as soon as I saw bacon, I have a real weakness for bacon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You're alone on that. There's no other people who feel that way.
0: No, I know. Yeah. I feel like people generally don't, don't like world. bacon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah but that lured me in and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm tired. Why not? And instead of going, well, screw it. You know, tomorrow morning I'm have a big breakfast. Um, I didn't do that. I thought, okay, I need to do my intermittent fasting tomorrow yeah. and it's okay what I do. So I've really learned to just accept what I do. It's not perfect. And that's why I want to be so vulnerable in my, and transparent in my In my show because I think more people can actually relate to that and it's just this are you doing something every single day that makes you a little bit better or gets you closer to your goal and that's what I really want to teach people yeah
1: totally I love that um I do have to disclaim as a vegan I don't actually care about bacon but there was a time (laughs) where I I appreciated its existence and I understand that other people do as well yeah. Um, there's certainly lots of bacon flavored things in the vegan world. So I bet. We, we get it. Uh but yeah, it's either like what do you do for your protein or they just say the word bacon and that's their whole like why would you be vegan argument. Right. Um all right. So uh before we, we go into any other weird food conversations like the number of fries or bacon or whatever, um this is awesome. And it's it's awesome not just because like the advice is really tangible, it's um also not just about being on the road, like these are things that we can use every day. You know, a lot of us were recording this in the midst of um, a lot of people being stuck at home globally. Mm-hmm. And so that means you can't get to the gym or you can't get the food that you would get normally, or you've got people in your household that you're eating all your meals around who maybe they aren't in the same place as you, so they're not making the same choices. And normally you'd be away from them at least for one meal a day, you know, cause you were at the office or they were at the office or whatever. Um, we have these pressures, regardless of whether we're in a traveling job or not. And that's what I love is like, it's so, so what, we don't have to go find the right hotel right now, but we still got to figure out how do I work out if I'm not going to the gym, what can I do? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I would just kind of extend the message to people that doesn't matter what your life situation is. These are things we can all bring in to have a healthier balance. And this last message you had around Uh, not beating yourself up, having grace, learning from it, and seeing what you can do different is really, really crucial for everybody. I agree. Um, Tamar, where can people learn more about you, get into your podcast, get some of the advice and guidance and community that you've built?
0: So uh, you can, my podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those platforms. Uh, you can also find me on my website, which is www.theroadtohealth.me. I do like to hang out on Instagram, which is the Road to Health PC, as in podcast. And then I do have a Facebook group that offers community and support, which is the Road to Health Podcast as well.
1: Okay, we'll link to everything in the show notes, and I will tell Adam that you just gave the URL for your your podcast website and not like, that was, so you guys, um, we didn't say this, but, or maybe I did at the beginning, the voyeurism thing. Like I got to listen in on a podcaster coaching call you had with Adam as part of his podcaster mind, mm-hmm. um, for casting the pod. And like, that was one of his key pieces of advice is like, don't throw seven different URLs and everything. So you, you did great with that. Thank so, you. And I struggle <laughs> with that myself because I'm like, Oh, I got to <laughs> talk about this book and I got to talk about that. And, um, Cool. I will link to everything there. People should follow you, subscribe to the show. And most importantly, are you ready to help me close this show? I'm ready. All right. Today is a new day.
0: Be positive and go out and do it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Tamar. Thank you. So now that you've heard her whole story, you understand what I meant about that manipulation of herself. Those things she did, like with the Weight Watchers points and... The trick to like even manipulating herself not to drink, which is wild because, you know, like same tools she was using destructively. Well, she figured out if this is how I am, can I use that to help me? Now, I don't condone the way she did it with the NyQuil and everything, but it's look, it's one way. Um, obviously, she ended up building the tools and the patterns to do it the right way and consistently beyond that, because you're not always going to be in a place where you have access to. Uh, You know, the ability to limit alcohol and to proactively drug yourself so that you fall asleep before you can drink too much. But she's obviously really intelligent and obviously really resourceful. And it's just a question of getting to that place and having the right support and network and people around you so that that intelligence is used for good purposes, supportive purposes, healthful purposes. And that's all part of that road to health journey. I hope you've enjoyed this. Do pick up Tamar's book. It's coming out really soon. If you're listening to this episode live when it's it's being released, then you just have to wait a few days. But I'm pretty sure it'll be up for pre-order. And if you're listening to this after July 14th, then you can just go pick it up. Hope Elevated. Get it from Amazon or wherever, you know, whatever store you want to pick it up from. But I know it's coming out in Kindle on the 14th. And I think the paperback's coming out in August Um, So she's doing two launch events, one for the ebook and one for the paperback. But I will link to all those, and I'll go back to the show notes and update them so that all the links are there. Um, It's a really powerful story, and there's nothing like getting all of it blown out and then more specifics on the takeaways because obviously there's only so much we can go into in these interviews. So grab Hope Elevated, and while you're there buying that book – have a look around at my books. If you search for my name or search for do a day and then click through my name, you'll see do a day. You'll see the 50, 75, 100 solution. And if you're someone who works in business and your industry struggles with innovation, you can see my latest book, The Future of Insurance from Disruption to Evolution. And you might be scratching your head like, wait, what? What does that have to do with the first two? It's a self-help book. It's just a self-help book for the insurance industry. Um, really for any industry that is facing constraints and pressures to change. And those constraints make it hard to meet the pressures. So it's a series of case studies that take you there. I hope this has been valuable for you. Again, Hope Elevated, check that out. Subscribe to the show so that you don't miss any more episodes. This is just the start of season five. got so much more to go, and I can't wait to share it with all of you so we can together go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.